I gotta be honest with you. Last week, JB, some of our biggest numbers for our Friday live show ever in terms of viewership. And there's one difference between last week's show and some of the other shows we've done over the uh, different uh, you know seasons of the show. Uh, do you know what that difference was? Uh, yeah, I wasn't on it for most of it. <laughs> hey, must-see TV, you know. Uh, how can I top a, a, a genius co-host like Nate Milne? I mean, he is an elite football coach and who has a huge game this weekend, um, a battle of undefeateds for, the, for basically the Centennial Conference Championship, you could say, based on how things have sort of uh, come down. And, yeah, him and then... Andrew Santillo, I mean the, you know the guy with the velvet pipes who's calling the games every weekend up there in Schenectady. So, uh, you know maybe I should take more weekends off. I mean I'm I'm, I'm here in St. Augustine, Florida. About had a, had some fun last night watching Sammy Hagar and uh, just kind of bouncing around. You know 55 can't drive 55. I will definitely yeah. not be driving 55 home uh, from here to get my buddy to the airport. But yeah. Um, it was a fun live show. We'll try to try to replicate it again. We've got some great guests, and we've got some great games to talk about in Week 9. Indeed we do, uh, and uh, we will get this uh, show started in a second. I will say that the, yeah, well, the, the Scotties, maybe I should learn to point. Uh, the Scotties will be uh, fighting CBA tonight, so I, I've got some uh, high school football I get to watch tonight. Uh, you know, the last two years, JB, I went to... Hopkins Muhlenberg, and I also went to UMHB Harden Simmons, and they decided to overlap the games this year, and so I can't go to both for the third time in a row. And we had to make a decision, and we'll talk yeah. about that decision yeah. and what it came down to, and everything else uh, when we start this uh, show, which is right now. You're watching season 16, the live show in the huddle. Did I just see two cups of coffee? Yes, sir. <laughs> I thought I thought I was bad with the one I've got right now. Uh, anyway, you know, I mean, it's it's fun it's fun to get out of town and all that, but you know, I can't sleep well in these hotel rooms. You know, I'm I I miss my wife. I miss I miss my little dog. You know, Aww. I can't. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna sleep like a baby tonight. But yeah, it was. Um, it's all good, and and yeah, here we are, week one. You know, sometimes you gotta you gotta go on the road to, to get some business done. And um, yeah, this guy, I remember, I remember being in Cambridge, and um, this is a, a a Bridgewater State fan, probably a dad who had this that custom gigantic hat made, and so he was rocking that in the stands. And and Bridgewater has been an interesting team um, this season, Frank, because I saw them. You know, go toe to toe with MIT. They they came up a little short there. The next week, they they host WPI and lose the game on a blocked field goal. And you know they're 0 2. Things are not looking good for the uh, sort of like the bad news bears. And then all of a sudden, they rattle off five wins in a row. They beat Westcon um, at home a couple weeks back at the end of September. 
And here they are in a rubber match game with UMass Dartmouth, which could potentially be uh, for the MassCAC championship. They have not been to the playoffs since 2016. And so, not surprisingly, I like this game uh, a lot because it has a lot on the line. I mean, obviously, Stevenson Del Val is always a great matchup. Merchant Marine Springfield, the triple option bowl is going to be awesome. Kings Widener is a great uh, MAC showdown. Coast Guard, SUNY Maritime, you always love it when the kind of the industry rivals clash. But to me, Frank, I, I'm, you know, I, I was there in the preseason. I know that the, the Bears had some high expectations. They won the New England Bowl last year. They want to try to do better than that this season. They've got a lot of uh, talent on that roster. They've got some fifth-year seniors back. So I like the big hat Bears um, and this uh, UMass Dartmouth team uh, going on this weekend up there in Massachusetts. I wish I could pick three games, honestly. Uh, we we kind of limit ourselves yeah, to right. two maximum per region, but uh, Stevenson Delval would have been the third one there, and we'll talk a little bit more about Absolutely. that situation and uh, predictions coming up in a little bit. Um, but uh, there's a glaring omission on the next slide. I will let you go through it, and I'll bring up the omission right here. Hmm. Well, let's see here. Well, we got Susquehanna versus Moravian uh, in the landmark. I mean, Moravian, I don't think, has lost any landmark games yet. And even though Susquehanna is a much higher-ranked team and are the likely favorites here, still got to um, you know get this game under their belt if they want to win that, that championship. Hopkins-Muhlenberg, one of the biggest games of the nation this weekend. Two undefeated teams, one of the final 14 that are left in D3 that are going at it. Utica-Brockport is going to be a clash of titans in many respects. Uh, the, the Golden Eagles have looked awesome, and the Pioneers always you know, play them tough. Rowan versus Montclair State, sort of a uh, bragging rights you know, Jersey Bowl uh, at 5 o'clock. And then we've got Case versus Washington and Jefferson at 6 p.m. This game is going to have an impact on ECAC Bowl bids. Case is still trying to make a case, pun intended, to... Um, have a chance at maybe a, a, a pool C bid if they can go nine and one. They had a, a, a close loss to um, to Grove City, so they're still in the hunt there. And uh, so yeah, it looks like you obviously like the uh, the Jays versus the Mules, but as, as well as uh, Utica and Brockport. And I'm I'm you know so what what am I what am I missing, Frank? I can't wait to hear this one. Oh, that that's, what <laughs> that's what we're missing. That's what we're missing. Okay, so so sure, Bethany Him? is oh. uh, a winless team, and Grove City is an undefeated team. I get that fact, but Grove City can clinch a playoff berth. I mean, what years? How many years ago now could you have imagined, with the big losing streak and everything else, that we would be sitting in 2023 yeah. saying Andrew Dinanato, your team is in control of its own destiny, win one, one of its next away. two games? and you are going to the playoffs. How's that feel to hear, Coach? It's neat to hear, that's for sure. I, uh, You know, being an alum, going here, my brother going here, my wife, my sister-in-law, I mean, we love Grove City, and one of the things we wanted to do when we come here, it's just a special place, and uh, it's on the national scene in so many ways already, academically and in so many other areas, but really taking pride in where I played, my brother played. We really wanted to see Grove City get on the national stage. And we watch this show every week. This time of year, I'm always hearing you talk playoffs. And we've never been in this point. We've never playoffs. been to the playoffs, never even been in the discussion at this point in the season. Uh, so to be at this point and represent such a great place, it's, it's an honor. And it gives me chills just hearing you say that as I jumped on here. 
Yeah, well, and, and, and for people in the national audience who, who may not be familiar with Grove City, this is a team that went 0-33. Um, it, was, it was a long climb back to the top of the mountain. And, you know, part of the reason we got to know Coach DiDonato and, and the Wolverines and we started expanding our East region coverage, we had a lot of these fun um, ECAC bowl bid reveals. I mean, you guys were fighting for the, you know, the pack title, but didn't quite get over the hump. What was it uh, this season, Coach, that was sort of the – how did everything kind of come together to, to get into this situation where here you are literally one game away from a, a playoff berth and a championship season? Yeah, you know, in August 13th, 2016, my first meeting, we set our vision in place, which is to glorify God in the pursuit of earning a degree, building lasting relationships and competing for PAC championships. And, you know, we talked about competing for PAC titles. We, we've always told our guys, uh, play the infinite game, not the finite game. And I actually stole that from business principles. But the point there is, you know, a PAC championship, we don't view it in a finite way. Like in 2018, did we win the PAC or not? It's an infinite game, meaning every decision we make is how do we compete with the top teams in the PAC? And we started that journey back in that 33-game losing streak. How do we compete in recruiting? How do we compete in strength and conditioning, offense, defense, special teams? And, you know, this offseason, we looked hard specifically against the top teams. Some of those games we lost. And, you know, we had to confront some brutal facts, you know, to compete and, and, and get over the hump to beat the teams like Case Western, CMU, WNJ. We just had to be a complete football team and, and really take some things out and just commit to the few things on offense, defense and special teams that we're best at. And uh, that's what we did. And, and we committed to a few areas back in February, March, when we met as a staff, you know, we identified those things and then, you know, talked to our guys in spring ball about them, worked on them. So, you know, play in the infinite game, I, I would say, starting back in 2016, 17, 18, figuring out how do you recruit to compete with the top teams in the PAC? What do we need to look like size-wise on the offensive line, defensive line? But this offseason, it was just uh, confronting brutal facts from last year and uh, just committing to doing the few things we're best at. And, uh, you know, I think that's been a thing that's given our guys a lot of confidence in what we do. Coach, your gauntlet was basically your first five weeks of the season. Uh, Westminster, Case, Washington, Jefferson, Carnegie Mellon, uh, not necessarily in that order. Uh, I, I saw you guys uh, in the night game uh, versus Carnegie Mellon. What a game that was, but you still have Washington Jefferson, and your team had a, a tough game there uh, or versus them uh, at home, but ultimately you pull it out. But then you had to kind of do what Trinity's had to do down in Texas. Hmm. Once they got past Barry, it's kind of like that cruise control uh, mentality uh, that you can fall into, and by falling into it, sometimes you can fall asleep hmm. at the wheel and you know let it go astray you haven't done that uh, nor has trinity really uh, which i am impressed by but how did you get this team to aside from the whole one and all thing I, I know that's coming up uh, and it comes up with every coach we talk to on the show but i mean beyond that how did you get these guys to stay focused to the point where you are still undefeated right now at eight and yeah, I'd say a couple of things. First of all, when that schedule came out, our September schedule, we used that in the spring and the summer to get our guys' attention, you know, as far as going through spring ball. And we told our guys over the summer, think about what you're going to have to come in and play in September. But once we got to camp, we said, throw all that out. And that's your 1 0 each week. We did go good to grade each rep, 1 0 each week. We have an evaluation tool for every play, how to get a good to grade. 
Um, so that's been our message each week. But, but I would say something we utilize a lot. We talk about 0-33 all the time. I mean, when I get the team together on the field after a win, I always give them three points. And the first one is always congratulations on winning a college football game. And uh, it's behind me, the 2016 class that went 0-10. They worked so hard. They never got a win. But I promised them, the last thing I did, I promised them, I said, I will never let a Grove City College football team take for granted what it takes to win a game. And, uh, you know, I took this from Tony Bennett at Virginia. He said, uh, own your story. And then after they lost that NCAA basketball game in the tournament as a one seed, he said, adversity uh, can buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gotten to any other way. So each week we tell our guys, hey, it took us 33 tries to win one game. If you think... It takes anything less uh, than good to great each rep, 1-0 each week to beat every team that we still got to play. Um, you know, you're missing it. And, and our guys understand that. But I'd say a big thing, we view 0-33 as one of the greatest gifts we've been given. And we tell our guys that's what should, should get our attention of what it's going to take to win every single week. And JB, for those that forgot, uh, that season after Virginia lost to UMBC, uh, the 16th seed, I believe they won the national championship the next season. So it's an, a very interesting yeah. quote to bring up in person to uh, kind of follow advice from uh, Tony Bennett in Virginia. Go ahead, JB. Well, you know, Coach, uh, you have a chance to go 9-0 and uh, this weekend. but And I'm going to sort of put you in maybe like a, a pack ambassador moment here. But there will be a team in your conference that will likely finish 9-1. And, one. and um, we know that there's a very limited number of at-large bids. And so mm -hmm. I would be curious. I mean, it could be Carnegie Mellon. It could be Case. You know, we'll sort of see what happens. But, you know, wh whereas the national criteria, because you guys play just a conference-only slate, might be slated against them, how, how do you think the um, – from a national perspective, the committee should really be looking at your conference? I mean – because the, the numbers are going to say, you know, it's like a 500 strength of schedule. But yeah. we've been covering you guys for five, six seasons now. We know the pack isn't a 500 strength of schedule. There's some great teams yeah. in there, and they constantly show that in the ECAC bowl games against the upstate New York, Liberty League, and Empire 8 teams all the time. So from your perspective, I mean, is this conference really deserving of two bids, in your opinion? No, I appreciate that question. I'm glad you asked. And, uh, you know, I would say uh, a couple things to point out. One main one, I, I would say that, I mean, look at W&J last year beating John Carroll. I mean, just some of the things our teams have done out of conference in years past. But I'd say, and I don't know, I mean, I'm new to this whole discussion, uh, so I don't know everything that the committee would look at. But I would really urge them, just take a look at what Carnegie Mellon did in the national playoffs a season ago. I mean, they completely, uh, you know, dominated their first round game against the Paw. But I sat there and watched every minute of their game against North Central. I mean, CMU went to North Central last year and just listening to the announcers talk. I mean, the announcers said we've never seen North Central's yep. often struggle like this. They, they, we've never seen a team come in here and play North Central the way CMU did. And CMU was right where they wanted to be at halftime I and mean, going into the fourth quarter. They were. Um, so I, I would say, and I, and I don't know everything they look at, just look at North Central versus CMU last year. And I think that would tell you, and that's, it's the same CMU team. I mean, that defense, I mean, Frank, you were there at our game. I mean, they, they're unbelievable. It's the same CMU team that gave North Central everything they could handle uh, the national champs in yeah. round two. I think that's the best case of why I feel we do deserve two teams in the national playoffs. 
And, you know, I, I, I have heard some of the discussion about, oh, you got to take the human element out of this, uh, go to pairwise rankings, et cetera. You can't do it in college football with only nine or ten results, folks. Pairwise doesn't work when you don't cross over at all like you do in hockey with 30 results, basically. So for people who think that taking the human element is the uh, you know solution uh, out of the whole thing, it's not. You still need the human element, but what you have to do is let the humans – sort of have a little bit more subjectivity to decide how this plays out, who the yeah. teams that deserve it are ultimately. And just looking at some baseline numbers doesn't do it either. So it, it's a conundrum for sure, but also let's expand the damn playoffs. Let's let's <laughs> finally get 40 teams, 48 teams yeah, into right. the uh, darn things. We're getting there. We're That's my little uh, Friday uh, motivational speech to the NCAA. Now moving right along. Uh, Coach, you still got to win a game here, and uh, yeah. Bethany is struggling, obviously, uh, this season. Uh, you know, you look down their points, I think they put up 20 against Geneva, but obviously this has not been a great uh, season, especially defensively for them. How do you, though, not fall into the trap? You got the target on your back right now. How do you get these guys? Well, look, you're at home. I, I get you're going to have a – this is the game you want to do it in, obviously, at home to celebrate the birth. But, I mean, what are you telling these guys about this game this weekend? Yeah, I think the thing about the pack is each week, every team we've played, even just here in October, I mean, we, we went into Allegheny and the week before at WNJ, they had an unbelievable comeback, lost by seven. And, I mean, we just watched that film and thought, man, if you, uh, you're you not at your best, here's Allegheny. I mean, they're, they're going to come and, and have a chance. They had the chance to throw and tie the game there in the fourth quarter. And then, Case Western Bethany, it was amazing to see. I mean, they were right there at halftime. Bethany scored in that third quarter to make it uh, a one-score game, and, and Case is, is an amazing team. I mean, obviously sitting here at one loss, and obviously we, we beat them in overtime. I mean, that, that game, looking back on it, I mean, just, uh, just how unbelievable that was. So, yeah, I think the thing about this conference is every single team has battled uh, and has shown signs that, hey, they could beat anybody. And that's why uh, there's always enough there, more than just saying, hey, if we're not getting good to grades, you could lose any game. There's tangible things to see on film from every team that, uh, hey, if we're not at our best, uh, don't expect to win the game. And, and that's kind of what's been our message and focus. Well, I think another um, interesting focus and, and a question that I have is I'm very familiar with the ECAC bowl hardware. I mean, I've seen the trophies, the wooden, you know, uh, thing you yeah. can grab. It's got the the emblem. You get the banner. Um, but I've never seen the, uh, or at least I don't remember what the PAC championship trophy looks like. If it's like a plaque or if it's actually a thing. So I mean, I imagine that the you know commissioner will be there on the sidelines and and somewhere in his back pocket or in a you know a little pr pr protected case with the guy with the white gloves that there will be this this thing. I mean, are, um, have you? Has it sort of hit you yet that this, you know, that this presentation could happen after this game on your home field in front of? I mean, the Wolverine crowds have always seemed to be so so lively. I mean, thousands of, of students and, and family members, fans in, in attendance. I mean, this this Saturday today has has a chance to be a really special occasion. Yeah, it does. You know, I you know, as a coach, and, and you're well aware. I mean, we try to. You know, block a lot of that out, and but I'm also an alum here, so actually an email went out from uh, 
uh, our, our athletic director all the way up, just an email to all football alumni of what this win could mean for our school. I mean, obviously, we've never been 8-0 before. We've never been 9-0. But then he also put in there, you know, we've never been to the national playoffs. What, what could be on the line here with a, a victory and then certainly a, a conference championship? So, you know, you try to block it out. And then just being an alum and a lot of our staff's alums, so we all get that email. And, you know, so, so we are aware of what it could mean. And, you know, it's really neat. And I'll say this too, we have uh, a number of two sport guys on our team, you know, guys who do lacrosse and track and, and who've been in positions and have one conference title. So uh, they always talk about, I think it's the white hats, the banner, I guess that's what the conference does. They get the hats, the t-shirts. So they always talk about, uh, so they're full well aware of what happens as soon as you win. Um, but, uh, and, and I'll just say that too, uh, that it's two things you mentioned there that I would point out that I think anyone listening, uh, just, I have strong thoughts on how important two sport guys are. Um, you know, we, we had, we've had, we some of our starters, they, they've won pack titles. They've know what it, you know, in the spring, what's better to be out there in football and t-shirt and shorts or be competing. And I think those guys, and to answer your question, who are well aware of what a celebration like this looks like helps our guys understand what it takes. And then you mentioned yeah. ECAC. I, I do want to mention that, um, when we look at our journey from 0-33 to where we're at today, I mean it. We would not be where we were at today if it wasn't for the ECAC and the opportunities it gave us to grow as a program. And, and I mean, we were 0-33. We broke that in 17 and 18 when you guys did your selection show. That meant the world to our program. We had never won a postseason game before, and we win that. And then the next year, to play RPI, I mean, a program that I have the highest respect yeah. for. They had just got out of the quarterfinals the year before. For us, that was an evaluation of, oh, man, we, we've really come a long way as a program. I mean, so in our journey, I'd just say, because you mentioned ECACs, um, I, I really do. I don't believe we'd be where we were are today if it wasn't for those opportunities the last couple of years. And, but, but back to your question, um, you know, a, a lot of alumni have been reaching out. People, we, we are well aware and uh, uh, just excited to be in this position and have a chance to, uh, you know, go and, and have a chance to go 1-0 on Saturday. Coach, in closing, I would like to ask you uh, to take a couple minutes. You're a very motivational speaker, and there are a lot of teams out there, a lot of players out there in this country, in D3 Nation, that are in that O for whatever uh, type of realm, uh, losing streaks or you know only a single win, and they lose hope. They lose kind of this uh, you know view of you know what could happen on the other side of the fence on this whole thing and how they can get it there. What would your message be to those players, those teams, ultimately, to kind of hang in there or understand, you know, what this all means in the greater, you know, future scenario? Uh, like you said about the 2016 team, you know, kind of relate that to what others might be facing out there in Division Three uh, in their journeys right now. Yeah, t 10 years ago, I, I got introduced to three principles that have changed my life. It's changed my faith. It's changed how I approach leadership, football. Uh, we summarize these three things in brick by brick. But when people see brick by brick, uh, I'm not sure what they think. But to us, it means three things. And it's number one, uh, to build brick by brick, it starts with a blueprint. But that first principle is we needed a vision. I mean, any significant leader I've ever studied, every significant man in the Bible, they had a clear vision. And and we told our guys in 2016 when we were 0 and 10, we put our vision in place and we said, focus on your vision, not your circumstance. You know, when it's February and it's snowing and you're going to lift and you're getting laughed at because you're 0 and 30, focus on the vision, not the circumstance. And so having a very clear vision was the first thing. You know, second thing, building brick by brick, you lay one brick at a time. We told our guys, see a little, see a lot, see a lot, see nothing. 
know, if you look at everything you got to do, you're going to get overwhelmed. See a little. All you can do is lay a brick today towards your vision. And uh, and that represents process. So that second principle will be in process. Have a vision and, and focus on that every day. Don't look at circumstance. Second process, lay one brick at a time towards that. We told our guys this may take 10, 15 years. We don't know to get to our vision. Our jobs to lay one brick a day. Um, and then third, brick by brick, those bricks are held together with mortar. And to us, mortar represents love. Every single person understand your role in that. And I'll just give you one of my favorite stories. I, I'm going to share this to the team on. I, I share it uh, about five times a year. But my my first year in 2016, we had a senior who actually transferred in after his freshman year. So he actually went 0-30 at Grove City. He never won a game. And it was week nine and I looked at him, we were in our Monday night meeting, and I said, Brett, why are you going out to practice today? He said, compete for PAC championships, coach. And I tell my team that every year. It, it brings tear to my eyes because here's a young man who never won a game at Grove City. And it's week nine. I mean, you'd think throw in the towel, just, hey, I'm not going to win a game here. Just move on. And he said, I'm going out to compete for PAC titles because he knew the bricks that he would lay those last two weeks Helped the freshman in the back of the room, West Schools, win a bowl game. And he helped the freshman in the back of his room be in the position to go to the playoffs. So I would just encourage, I mean, it's been a fun journey, but, and someone taught me this years ago, have a clear vision, embrace the process towards that vision and love. Make sure everybody knows their role. And even if they're not going to enjoy the fruit of it, hey, you're laying bricks towards that vision that'll one day pay off. Uh, for us, that's brick by brick, blueprint, bricks, mortar, but I just encourage everybody, those three principles blessed me and maybe they could help somebody else as well. Whew. Wow. I, I, look, I, I've got chills at this point. Yeah. And, uh, that was awesome. I, you know, uh, well, you, I got to well, Frank. Oh, go ahead. Well, while Frank tries to compose himself, I want to say um, <laughs> it, it, is, it is official. We will be doing the ECAC Bowl Bid Selection Show again this season. And you know what, Coach? We're going to miss you guys and the Wolverines, but <laughs> you guys are on to uh, bigger and better things. Um, I think it, it merits mentioning that I want to congratulate you guys on um, having a chance to be 9-0. At the end of this weekend, there's only going to be 13 undefeated teams in Division Three. Wow. That's around 5% out of 241. Wow. When you think about how many programs across the country and the fact that you guys are at this, um, at this point, particularly after that 0 and 33 mark, um, and you guys are doing it in what's arguably one of the more competitive, most competitive regions. I mean, I know everyone sort of points to the, you know, the, the stuff out in, in, in six, but when you look at the, the, the depth of conferences that region two has, I think we stack up as a overall region just as well as anywhere else. And so what you guys have done this season is really great. It's been fun watching this process as it's unfolded the last you know, five years now. And um, I'm really excited for you guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to tuning in um, to the uh, the end of your game on, on Saturday. I have, a, I have a feeling there'll be some, some, some good stuff happening there. And, and um, special thanks to our, our friend, Professor Briggs, for helping pull this all together. Apparently, I've sent, I'm, I'm not good at sending emails, so he, he has to keep me in line, you know. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, as always, and, and we wish you guys the best of luck. It'll be fun watching you in the NCAA playoffs coming up in a few weeks. Oh, no, we appreciate those words and uh, appreciate you guys so much. And I'll just say this, too, because, again, you mentioned it. 
Um, you know, when you have those selection shows, I remember last year was our fourth year in it. And someone said, Hey, is this like, you've been here four years now. I said, we're just as excited as year one. And, and we, and honestly, we've been able to win those games. We take those just so seriously. And, and like I said, we want to be where we were to are today without them. So, and, and we, all our kids tune in to that show and, uh, just what you guys do for college football and what you've done for our program. We can't thank you enough. Well, it's uh, been a journey, yep. and uh, we'll uh, see how this turns out. There's a lot more uh, to be written here about Grove City this season, so we'll see where it goes to. Coach, thanks for joining us, and send our best to everybody out there at Grove City. Will do. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Coach Andrew DiDonato, uh, it, it's just it's an amazing thing, and now that he's kind yeah. of off our uh, screen, I'm going to say it out loud. Uh, anybody that would like a uh, coach in a, a upper level D3 school or another uh, school, D1 or whatever, uh, you, you just listen to the man. Look at what his results are. If he's not getting offers from other schools, they're fools. Uh, you know, Ryan Larson, you know, same thing, obviously, with his success at Carnegie Mellon. But the pack mm. has some stories in coaches that you just you t- kind of take for granted because they don't get the top billing always especially now because this whole yeah. no out of conference situation but my goodness just 0 and 33 to the playoffs just you know how many seasons later is an amazing an amazing story so uh if they win yeah. they've got to still win one game here and uh we're better to do it than at home ultimately so yeah let's, and, uh, continue. And, and, and this is our go ahead I was just going to throw in one last quick thing. I mean, with this being our 15th anniversary, I mean, I can't think of in the huddle without a little bit of Grove City sprinkled in there because of those ECAC bowl games and and the selection show, and then just that that reaction that we get every time. Um, and that's that kind of stuff. The 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 student athletes and everything um, really make doing this uh, so worthwhile. So it's been a fun part of our journey. But let's uh, let's talk about probably the big game of the weekend like you said you've been you've been to this down in texas you've had a front row seat both at, at both um the crusaders and the cowboys uh, home stadiums i mean obviously washington lee and, and randolph macon is no slouch of a game either this is has a huge impact on the odak but and yeah mary maryville has has been trouble so Bellhaven. Even though they're they're looking like they're a few steps away from winning the USA South, they still need to win that game. But Mary Harden Baylor versus Harden Simmons. This is a national rivalry that if you're a D three fan, you've got to know. Um, I found this this picture. It's a couple seasons old. I think that's Jefferson Fritz um, trying to strip the ball there from the Cowboy receiver. Uh, but this is this is one of the biggest matchups every year. And um, it's interesting because this season, for the first time ever, Frank, and I'll let you, you know, chat in on this because you've seen it, and seen it live. But neither of these teams are at like sort of the peak of their their powers. I mean, you know, the crew have lost three games this season. Harden Simmons lost their quarterback, and they lost Endicott on the road up in New England, which was a, kind of a shocker when they were ranked in the top five or something like that. So this has been a, an interesting season for both of these teams. Maybe a little bit of a some humble pie has been served. But at the same time, this is basically the ASC championship game. A playoff berth is on the line here. I think the loser, unfortunately, does not get a Pool C bid, um, just based on how things have shaped out this year. So the stakes are even that much higher than they've been perhaps in, in prior years. What do you think? Who cares what I think? Let's ask Miguel Valdez to uh, give us his opinion <laughs> on it. 
offensive lineman yes, Harden Simmons Sr. Uh, how you doing, Miguel? I'm doing good. How are y'all this morning? We're good. Uh, th Thank this you guy for joining me, us so not, early in the morning. Yeah, th this yes, guy sir. may not look too huge uh, in a little uh, box like this, but this guy is uh, what six four, three hundred pounds uh, thereabouts, Miguel. Yes, sir. Wow. Six four, three ten. Three ten. Uh, so oh, I, I, I was underestimating. I didn't okay. mean it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Miguel. Uh, I, I've seen the game obviously in person the last two years. Uh, we've obviously reported on the success level of the crew versus Harden Simmons over the last decade, basically, uh, if not more, in this game. And you've had your chances. Uh, the last year's game, it looked like it was going well in Abilene. And then suddenly, this like four-minute stretch, everything turns around. You get him at yes, home sir. again, and you know what's going on. You've got Galen Glenn back, it looks like, uh, at least. It's your job to protect him uh, in a game like this. But, I mean, what did you learn from last year especially that you guys are going to take forward to this year in this game that will make the result different against Barry Harden-Baylor? Um, I feel like one thing that we've been uh, harping on a lot, especially in the entire program, is uh, not panicking whenever stuff doesn't go your way. You know, uh, Coach Burleson always tells us that a true man's colors are shown whenever uh, adversity strikes. And uh, I feel like last year, whenever there was a uh, scoop and score, and then uh, another scoop and score in that span, and the, the game flipped, uh, we kind of panicked on the sideline. And uh, I feel like our true colors are shown. And, you know, um, I feel like we've been working on that a lot to change the program whenever whenever adversity hits, that we can't panic and we got to stick together more than ever and know that we're going to find a way to win at the end of the day. And you guys found a way to win last weekend. You, you, you put 55 points up. It felt like to me that this was the Cowboys offense that we're used to seeing. It took a little while because of you know Glenn's injury, and, and you guys struggled against some teams uh, a couple of weeks prior where normally you would have won by a comfortable margin. What has been sort of your, from your perspective, the – um, the growth of the offense since uh, since Galen's gotten back on track. Does it feel like you guys are, are you know, getting together kind of at the right time with this big game coming up this weekend? Uh, yes, sir. I feel like um, everything's, everything's falling in line. Uh, I feel like the difference maker between um, those two games between McMurray and TLU and uh, this game with Sewell Ross was, uh, you know, in the past we, we've usually been uh, – a senior, a big senior heavy team, and uh, those guys made it happen on the field. And I feel like within our team, uh, we had some younger guys who thought, you know, it was just going to, ball was just going to get rolled out and uh, it was going to go our way. And uh, we've been harping on it a lot that we got to make stuff happen. Um, nobody's just going to roll over for us and we got to make it happen at the end of the day on Saturday. It's on nobody else but us. And uh, whenever we went into Sewell Ross, I feel like we spread that message. Uh, throughout the team and I feel like it showed on Saturday that we were able to make it happen and um, we have the confidence and the swagger to be able to go and do that on Saturdays. Miguel, a lot of people are asking the question still because uh, Endicott hasn't exactly looked pristine in some of their games uh, since uh, they uh, had a tough one against Western New England for instance a couple weeks ago and we go back and we ask the question, I know the injuries played a role no doubt but what happened 
what happened to you guys in that trip up to Beverly, Massachusetts that led to what was, I hate to put it this way, but it was a collapse by the Cowboys in a game like that. And a shocking one for much of the country. And we're going to give credit to Endicott for sure on what they did. But what happened to Harden Simmons there? And you as a senior leader, kind of take us through that trip. And again, what, what did you take away from it that has helped you guys eke out some wins along the way, but now begin to, you know, turn that corner a little bit uh, the way that JB stated. Yeah. Uh, just like I said a second ago, so Ross, uh, you know, we thought we were going to roll the ball out against Endicott and uh, it was just going to go our way, just like it has in the past with other games. Um, we're young and like we played this past week against Sol Ross, um, that was Cowboy football and that's who we are. And uh, that's what we, in the past, that's what we've always done to people. And whenever we went up to Endicott, uh, we got a taste of our own medicine. We got, uh, I feel like we got punched in the mouth as a team and uh, we didn't know how to react. Um, so I feel like that's what happened at Endicott was once we found out that they could hit back, we were, we were surprised. And um, that, I'll give credit to Endicott. That was a very electric game uh, scenario. Their fans were juiced up. Their sideline was juiced up the entire game. And um, they, they've got a really good program. And um, they, put the, they put the work to us, and they did what we normally do. It felt, it felt like we were playing us. Um, I tell my, my buddy, Matt Mitchell, he's the Mike linebacker, that uh, they had a guy on their uh, front seven. And I thought I was playing against him, and um, it was just it was it was good, and it was also humbling to play them. I will say that you always look for the good in the or the light in the dark, and uh, I will say that it was very humbling to go and play them, but uh, it was also a fun experience, and I'm glad we were able to learn that lesson soon. That whenever you do get punched in the mouth, you know you got to be able to respond back, and that not everybody's going to uh, not everybody's going to lay down for us. You know we're uh, what is it? We want to. We can get. We can beat anybody, but we can get also get beat by anybody. You know, uh, if the cards are dealt the right way, um, anything can happen. You never know. It's a. It's always down to a couple plays, especially with this game coming up versus Mary Harden Baylor. It's always come down to just a couple plays, but we never know which play it's going to be. You know, you wish the coaches wish that they could pull you to the sideline and say, "Hey, this play is going to be the one that's going to change the entire game," but. Um, you can't do that. So you got to play like every play is your last because you never know which play is going to be the big play in the game. JB, I got to thank him for that honest and open answer because that was uh, unbelievably yeah. uh, tough, I know, to have to go back through that with us. But thank you for that, Miguel, because I think it, it tells sure. a lot of people out there uh, that you take nothing for granted at this point after uh, a situation like that. Let JB go uh, with the next question here. Well, you know, since we're since we're putting uh, poor Miguel here on the spot, I, I figured I might as well ask the questions. He's, he's got it. He's got the senior on uh, on there, but we know with the COVID year that sometimes seniors can happen twice, and this will be the last season. So, um, ha is this going to be one of your final uh, you know home games uh, for you and your Cowboy career? Are you thinking about? maybe coming back for that, that fifth year, uh, or maybe you already are fifth year. Just wanted to sort of clarify that um, and kind of see. I mean, you've been playing football in Texas for a long time now. What's what's coming up for you? Um, so, actually, this is my uh, sixth year playing. Uh, I already did the uh, medical register last year, 
And then uh, okay. surprisingly, at the very end, I surprised the entire team and decided I was going to come back and uh, play one more year and leave it all out there and leave no doubt. Um, so this is my uh, this is my sixth year coming up. Um, and then I plan after this, I plan on going to occupational therapy school. And so we'll oh, wow. see where that road takes me. Yes, sir. You can take care of old guys like Frank and me. Thank you. We need it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. But Miguel, I got to ask you the question too. Then is this game coming up Saturday against Mary Harden Baylor one of the reasons you came back uh, and surprised the team? Is this the unfinished business that led to that ultimately? And you know what would a win mean to you personally as Miguel Valdez? Ultimately, if you could get that win in Abilene. Um, honestly, the reason I came back was because I knew we had a lot of seniors leaving. And uh, I felt like my class coming up, um, we were – we built a lot of foundation for what the team is now. And I didn't want to see that get thrown under the table or swept under the, swept under the rug. And so I wanted to make sure that we kept that culture and everything that we had, and I wanted to be able to spread it. I felt like, um, you know, after being a fifth year last year, um, I've get I've gone from being a student to a teacher, and I felt like my teaching wasn't done, and I felt like I still had more to give. And so uh, that's honestly the biggest reason I came back was to help with the team and spread as much uh, spread as much knowledge that I've gained throughout this program through those younger guys. Um, and uh, it's been worth every every single minute of it. Um, but this game is also a big one. Um, love this game. I've always looked forward to this game. This is actually only going to be my uh, my third chance to be able to play in this game, even though I've been playing for oh, wow. six years, just because of uh, injuries that I've had. And so uh, I've definitely definitely got something to prove. Uh, all my families they're from uh, they're from Waco originally. I'm from Clyde, but uh, the rest of my family, extended family, is from Waco. And uh, I hear the earful all the time about uh, should have went to Mary Harden Baylor, should have went to Mary Harden Baylor. But <laughs> God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change being a cowboy for anything in the world. And uh, uh, I absolutely love it here, and this is home. And um, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't change anything for the world. Uh, this is a big game on the line. We know it. Uh, I mean, everybody in the nation knows it. I'm sure everybody's talking about it. Um, yeah. But we're ready for it, and we're excited to play in it. Well, I, I love it, and I know I joked around a little bit about the you know occupational therapist, but having a child that needed occupational therapy as a parent, it's a very uh, it's a, such an important role in and profession in our society. So thank you for doing that, um, Miguel. Uh, we're we're excited to see the the, the game. I, I love the fact that you're number seventy four. You're actually the the same height and size as our friend Ali Marpet was when he was playing in D three in the NFL. So I know I'll be focused in on 74 this weekend, uh, but would love to um, offer you the, the opportunity to uh, have a chance to give out any, any shout-outs. You've already done a little bit of shout-out to Waco, but there could be other uh, coaches, teammates, um, you know, student-athletes, other, other friends that have, that have been a part of your journey, this, this uh, one where you've overcome injury, you've seen lots of different types of adversity, you keep swinging. Miguel Valdez, uh, the floor is yours. Um, the first person I'd want to shout out is, uh, my fiance. Um, she's been with me through this entire thing. Uh, every injury that I've had, um, she's worried every single night, every single day, whenever I step on the field. Um, and I wouldn't be doing this without her uh, and her support. I know she doesn't want to support it because of my body and the uh, injuries that I've had, but she knows I love it. So she loves it. And, uh, definitely, uh, a shout out to coach Burleson, 
and uh, mom and dad too. Uh, say Coach Burleson in that because he's just like a father figure as much as my my dad is, and um, my mom. She's just like my fiance, Brittany. She's worried about my body all the time, but they know that I love it, so they love it, and uh, they're gonna support me through everything that I do. And then um, to my our GAs that we have, golly, those guys do so much behind closed doors that it's. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want personally. I wouldn't want to be a GA just because of the things I've seen them have to do. But it's what's necessary to get done, you know, and do the things that we need to do. And those guys. Those guys do so much for us. They're overworked and underpaid. But um, And then shout out to all my, my Cowboys that have been with me on this journey. Um, I don't know the type of man that I would be without these guys that I've had in that locker room for six years. Uh, I turned 24 yesterday, and I've spent a quarter of my life uh, in that locker room. And uh, it's been it's been awesome. If I could go back and restart, I absolutely would. And uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. First off, happy wow. birthday, belated. Uh, second, what's yeah. your uh, fiance's first name? Brittany Pierce. Brittany? Brittany Pierce. Be Brittany <laughs> Appreciate yeah. it. It's got a nice ring to uh, it. <laughs> it really does. But uh, look, uh, the last two weeks we've lucked out because we've had offensive linemen uh, on our show, which we don't get to do very often. And they've been some of the best spoken guests we've had. Uh, on our show, uh, you know, not just this season, but all 16 seasons uh, of this show. So, uh, yeah. Miguel, be proud of uh, how you represented today. And uh, I, I know that doesn't matter as much as how you represent tomorrow night, or tomorrow afternoon, actually, uh, versus Mary Harden Baylor. Why did they move this from a night game to an afternoon game? It's beyond me, but that's a whole other story for another week. But uh, good luck to you guys, uh, and good luck to everybody in this game. It's a brutal game. Uh, it's going to be hard-hitting. And we just want to see everybody uh, leave the field in one piece and everybody uh, kind of leave it on the field at the same time, if you know what I mean. So thanks for joining us, Miguel. Yes, sir. Thank you all so much for having me. Yep. Good luck. Miguel Valdez. Wow. You know, this, Frank, when when everyone asked me about this whole, you know, why do you keep doing this podcast thing? Bingo. Talking to guys like Miguel, I mean, what a story. I mean, you know, Coach Donato. I needed, I almost cried after his inspirational speech and you know, listen to Miguel's story, you know, all the injuries and, you know, the love of his family and this, this you know, this team is kind of keep him going. Um, like he said, you know, a, a quarter of his life he's, you know, spent um, in Albaline and, and just, you know, fighting here. I mean, and, and, you know, the Cowboys have had some tough luck. I mean, uh, they've always been in the national picture, you know, but they've, They've had some. They've had some adversity on on a number of levels too. I mean, it's sometimes you think like, oh, these national powers, they don't really, you know, go through stuff because they just plow through everybody. But no, I mean, they've had some. They've had some tough losses. They've had some, you know, some close games here and there. And wow, what a what a story! Uh, I'm. I just. I'm, it was awesome. All right, who we got Let's here? Let's roll. Because you're, you're going to get me to start crying right now, and I, I cannot do that right know, now, right? buddy. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, I, 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 okay, so hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time, time out for one second. <laughs> I, I will say one thing. Okay. La- last night I had the opportunity to go out uh, with a few people from uh, the Dutchman. I will still call it the Union Dutchman uh, for my reasons. Uh, and yes. getting to spend time with those guys, because I'm an alum, obviously, and we are not shy on our, this show about saying we are still dedicated to our schools in our football programs yep. at those schools, okay? And if you don't like it, mm-hmm. then like, go watch another D3 pot. Oh, wait, you can't. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, whole, <laughs> the whole idea, 
is more or less that you get to spend time with them and it really does reinvigorate the reasons we do it. Okay. And then the guests on this show today and other weeks, I mean, when my week has been horrendous. Okay. You want to know why crunch time's late? Uh, don't be a politician in your mid-40s, folks, and uh, have the re-election scenario, okay? There's, there's my best advice to you to start. But I, I love being yeah. uh, a mayor uh, for certain days of the week. But when you have a five-hour meeting on a Monday night, and it screws with your entire rest of your uh, life uh, for the rest of the week, it's, it's counterproductive. And you need yeah. a certain night like last night where I got to you know, just BS with the guys for a couple hours and then a show like this. It's, it's an incredible situation for us. We are the most fortunate guys mm -hmm. in D3. We are, you know, by most rights, the player-centric podcast out there compared to the other one that kind of goes more coach-centric, and that's fine. There's a place for both of us, and yeah. that's what we've proven. But my yeah. goodness, it's just been incredible uh, for us. And uh, the last, let's say, uh, 12, 13 hours, uh, have just kind of reinvigorated me to make that drive down to Muhlenberg tomorrow for the Johns Hopkins Muhlenberg game. That's not on the list that's on the yeah. screen right now. Let's go to Region 4. Take it away. Yeah, and I didn't really find a whole ton of uh, great matchups in Region 4, but this Wittenberg-Wabash game is going to be fantastic. Um, these um, NCAC teams are always uh, you know, going at it, and, and this should be a, a really great football game. I mean, the Little Giants did have that, that one loss, uh, early on, so they're they're kind of hanging on for dear life here. Wittenberg, same same thing. They took DePaul to the limit last weekend. Um, you know, I, I, I think this will be a, a close one um, between these two teams. It, it's really uh, probably the best game in that part of the country um, on Saturday. Albion versus Adrian at 3 o'clock is a uh, kind of a long-time rivalry game. Um, one of the teams is doing better uh, than the other. We, we talked about the coaching change, um, but you know these rivalry games, you can throw the records out the window and, and the situations these kids will play hard for their schools. And so we, we both like obviously Wit versus Wabash and um, you know that, that's region four for this week. I'll take region five. There's again, not much here. Uh, they're saving yep. for some big matchups in weeks 10 and 11, honestly. Uh, but uh, Central Wartburg is a big game because Wartburg can clinch with a win versus Central ultimately. And so we'll watch out for that one. Uh, it, it may take a little bit more uh, ultimately too. Actually, I think they're a clear clinch uh, with the win versus Central, if I remember correctly. We'll so uh, verify that yeah. later and uh, correct it if I'm wrong on that. But uh, Augustana IWU and Mammoth uh, Rippin is interesting after what happened with Rippin versus Lake Forest last week. Is Rippin going to be able to make enough noise throughout this conference to maybe affect what happens in the grand scheme of things in the Midwest Conference? Uh, that's why it is an important game to watch. But we both picked Central versus Warburg for obvious reasons. Yep. Take away Region 6. Yeah, in Region 6, we have a couple of uh, Mayak and Wyak games that are pretty interesting. I mean, Gustavus obviously had the big upset over St. John's. They're taking on St. Olaf at 2 p.m. Bethel versus Carlton is an interesting game um, from, from the Mayak perspective. I mean, especially if Carlton can somehow pull off that upset, um, that will shake things up. Platteville takes on Whitewater. The Warhawks will be the favorites in that game, but Platteville always gives them a good run for their money. Whitworth is one of the um, two undefeated teams in Region 6. They're taking on Lewis and Clark, who have 
surprised um, this season in many respects. They, you know, they have been winning more games, and so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Chapman versus Claremont Mudscripts is interesting, Frank, because Claremont's kind of in the, the lead in the Sky Act, but Chapman actually beat them a couple weeks ago. So that, that could you know, throw a wrench into that uh, race late at night if you want to tune in. Uh, we've got Laverne versus Redlands and Pomona Pitzer versus Cal Lutheran. But it looks like uh, you, you like some of the, uh, the combination of the WIAC and the, uh, and the SCIAC. And I'm going with Bethel versus Carlton. Um, one of my uh, one of my buddies is going to be flying out there. I think his nephew plays on the uh, on on the the Carlton team is the Knights, right? The Carlton Knights is that their their mascot. So yeah, he's going to go out to Minnesota to check that one out and have a front row seat. So that should be a good one. As we transition, we'll get to predictions in a second, but we wanted to pay honor to uh, the Campbell Trophy uh, finalists from Division Three, uh, ultimately. And uh, out of uh, 16 finalists, there are three from Division Three, and we'll let uh, the, uh, a couple videos talk about them, uh, ultimately, here. We'll start over uh, with our friends at Wartburg. Coach, can you let us know what you just let the whole team know? Yeah, so, so we let uh, Owen Grover know that he was William B. Campbell uh, Award nominee and finalist and uh, just received an $18,000 postgraduate scholarship and is going to get invited to Las Vegas to take part in the ceremony, which is going to be awesome, man. It's like the, the College F Football Hall of Fame inductees and recognizing the individuals involved in this, uh, in this award, and it's going to be a pretty special day for Owen, no doubt about it. What does it feel like to be one of 16 finalists in Division One, Two, and Three? Um, yeah, obviously incredibly proud to be selected from so many athletes. Even within our own team, within the country, there's incredible guys, um, people that are working super hard. So I'm super proud of this honor. Congratulations to Owen. Uh, let's go to, uh, the audio is going to be a little tough on this one. We'll try to boost it a little bit, but uh, we're going to go uh, to Johns Hopkins uh, next. Yeah. <laughs> Coach Chimera hey. with uh, this one. A lot of good players, a lot of good people. All right, which is the easiest stuff. I think you can see that a lot of off-the-field recognition that we've been getting. Right, like last year, we were already going to Good Works team. JR getting the Campbell finalist was awesome. And this year, we got Ugla going to Good Works team. And Sherm's a finalist, right, for the Campbell. You know, you know, so, and Campbell, right, you guys learned, learned last year, you know, I went to the dinner, it was like really cool. It's the College Football Hall of Fame, a lot of cool things out in Vegas. There's 200 finalists across the country, all divisions. Right, so for JR to get it last year, Division Three player, I think there's three Division Three guys uh, that made the finalist group. Really hard to get, right? And then, you know, you looking at it again, 200 finalists, you're going to get you know, three Division Three guys a year. You know, what are the chances you're going to go back to back with a Hopkins player? Pretty low, right? But obviously, when you have someone really talented who's a two-time academic All-American, two-time football All-American, you know, pretty easy for them to pick Luke Sherman. Oh! As they always say, all team awards or all individual awards are team awards. So. Very humble. Good for him. A humble guy. I love Absolutely. It. Yeah. No video on the last one, but uh, Liam Thompson, the uh, quarterback yeah. from Wabash, uh, who is facing Wittenberg this weekend, also a Campbell Trophy finalist. And uh, best of luck uh, to all three of them. Uh, you know, just being a finalist is a big deal, as you heard. Uh, yeah. You know, Coach Winter talk about uh, there is a little bit of stuff that comes along with that. Uh, so, congratulations mm -hmm. uh, to all of them. 
Uh, oh, I might have to edit this. It's a little bit uh, larger than I realized. Uh, week nine predictions. Um, guess what? We are tied uh, yeah. right now, JB. Uh, so coming down um, to the wire, we only got three more. What we got? Three more weeks of the regular season left. One, two, three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Yeah. We got twelve games lined up. We have a timer ready to go. We just need a little bit of um, Muzak, I, I guess. Uh, let me see if I can find some. Uh, if you. Have you ever heard of? Uh, well, hold on. We can't get that Diddy going yet. William Tell. Uh, I will. I will give a quick shout out though. I mean, I know that we we, we like to think we're the only D three video po- podcast, but there are some guys that are starting to make noise out yeah. there. The Dingo Talk podcast. I think they actually asked me to join, and I'm going to be. Uh, and I, I love seeing these other things starting to pop up. Um, so shout out to them. I mean, you know, obviously we, we've seen our buddy in the third division put up some some fun stuff. I think we'll see more out of out of them over in the coming years. And um, D one so rejects. Yeah, keep an eye out for them. D one rejects is great. Yeah, I mean Kobe and, and what he's doing. We got to get we got to uh, get him on the show to talk a little to see what he's been up to. I know he's covering more D two football, uh, but you know we're getting close to the playoffs. It'd be interesting to see what's going on. Ready to go? Here we go. I'm going to have you start, and the first game will be in the new Mac, Merchant Marine Springfield. Oh, man. Jeez. Well, hmm. The Triple Option Bowl. <laughs> you knew this was coming. <laughs> and, and Yeah, and, and so this means we're going to see both team pass for 350 yards, right? Because that's what happened last weekend? Okay. Um, man, this is tough because... Both teams have been doing well, but I, you know I picked against Springfield last week and it burned me. And I got to get a I got to get some wins here. So I hate doing this to my Mariners. They're on the road. They they do have one one loss. It seems like Springfield is done well holding home court. I think it's going to be a close call, but I have to I have to pick the pride. Say thirty one to twenty eight. Clearly, both teams have to. to Kings Point. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a whole other story. <laughs> Uh, clearly, um, both teams are going to have to respect uh, the offenses enough not to stack the box as much as threat, other teams yeah. have been doing because we've seen the throwing threat for both teams, but especially Merchant Marine. Yeah. Talison Smith with the Talison Tally there on our show yesterday yeah. that got released. Uh, I'm going to stick with Springfield for the same reasons you mentioned. It's tough at home uh, for them to uh, be beaten ultimately. So I'm going to mm. give Springfield the edge here. Um, 28-21. MassCAC, uh, up for grabs still, technically. Mass Dartmouth at Bridgewater State. Uh, I will start this. What a screwy season it's been for Mass Dartmouth. And so, yeah, I'm tempted here. Home team, Mass Dartmouth. Um, Dante, I need a win. Don't let me down, buddy. Mass Dartmouth wins. They get over whatever the heck is biting them lately, and they win this game 35-24. Yeah, it's not a bad pick. Um, you know, it's the Bears I saw in person, you know, they they lost a game to an MIT team that's only won two games this season, and they struggled against WPI, but they've been on this run. Now, they haven't been the world beaters, but they took care of WestCon. There's... They, they blanked Westfield, though, and Westfield took Mass Dartmouth to the mat. It was like a 26-23 game. So I think the Bears at home are going to hang on here. And um, 
I'll take the, I'll take the home team to win it, say, uh, 28 to 24. The Bears. Stevenson at Del Val. Interesting pick on the last one. I kind of knew you were going to go there, though, uh, to be honest with you. That's why I asked Dante for the uh, win there. But uh, this one, what about you? Uh, where are you going with this one to start things? You know, I think um, I think Louis Barrios and company kind of got the little scare that they needed to make them know that the the streak is still a little bit of a you know fragile thing that they need to keep an eye on. And so this is an important win for them to to kind of keep the momentum going into the playoffs. Mustangs will give them all they can handle, but I'll take Delval to win a close one, 24-17. Picking Stevenson. I think Stevenson got caught looking ahead last week against Misericordia for a competitive game for a lot of it, but I think that Delval didn't get caught looking ahead. I think they played a team that was very good. And at the end of the day, yeah. I think Stevenson, if that game had gone the, the full way that they had played back earlier in the season, probably would have won that game. Yeah, they were beginning to get their momentum. Uh, so I think Stevenson has an edge here, although on the road it'll be tough. I'm going to give the Mustangs the chance to break the streak officially now. Uh, you know, Gordon Mann wow. did a, a James hit. Baker last week in the broadcast with uh, when the field goal was no good. He's like, yeah, the streak's going to come down that way, and it didn't because they got the touchdown with just seconds left. Stevenson, though, wins uh, this game, I say, 24-20. Next game up is going to be Centennial, Hopkins versus Muhlenberg, the game I'm attending. Now, this is tough because I've been flip-flopping their positions multiple times this season in the poll. They're right next to each other, essentially, in my ballot. I saw Johns Hopkins in person beat Ithaca handily. I saw Muhlenberg struggle late against your sinus. Uh, maybe get too conservative in that game. Muhlenberg is a tough place to win games if you are visiting them. I'm going to give the edge to Muhlenberg at home in this one, 31-30. Joe Repetti, you too. Don't let me down on this one, I guess. All right. Well, because of I know how highly Coach Millen thinks of me, if I pick Muhlenberg, he knows that's the kiss of death. So, of course, the JB curse will have to go to the Blue Jays, who I feel like, I mean, with you, know, you got guys like Harvey, you know, you got Sherman. I mean, they, they've got a team loaded with talent. If, if, if Hopkins is going to be the team, you know, this is the game they got to win on the road and um, will prepare them for the playoffs. So I say it's going to be another close call. Maybe a turnover or two decides it. Uh, 27 to 24, hop. Boy, we got some differences uh, this week, that's for sure. I don't know yeah. if this will be one of them, though. Empire 8, Utica to Brockport, go ahead. I mean, the, the the Golden Eagles just look like a, a bolt, like, you know, they've been steamrolling teams. And, you know, as good as the um, the big tone and Moose Hogan's uh, hype videos and all that are every week, uh, I just feel like this is this is Brockport, Brockport's year. They could upset Cortland for the Empire 8 title. That game's coming up soon. I'm going to go with the Golden Eagles uh, by a comfortable margin, say like 35-14. Yeah, I mean, Utica's fighting for a possible playoff berth still. Uh, technically, they'd have to yep. win this game to cause the chaos needed to have it happen. But I'm going to give Brockport the edge at home. Uh, more than an edge. I'm going to say they win 35-17 to 17 over Utica. I know Coach Faggiano just uh, clipped that, and we'll play it reel-to-reel -reel for the rest of the next 20 hours or so. Uh, yeah, 
Uh, very hard. I mean, this is a great week of football. I mean, look at these games over here predicting here. This is crazy. Man. Mary Harden Baylor at Harden Simmons. I am so tempted. So tempted here. And I think you're going to do it if I had a guess. Uh, but so I'm going to say UMHB, I think, has the testing with teams that will get them to a win here. I'm not going to use the words battle-tested because I've learned not to do that uh, after North Central, everybody. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I just think that those three games to start the season have lined them up to be a world beater. And that's a very discouraging thing for a lot of the country right now because if they get to the playoffs, even with three losses, they can make some really big noise, ultimately. That is the type of team you, uh, Mary Hart and Baylor is. That, you know, to mature the way they do, you know, annually is something to watch. And especially this year, if they were able to make some noise at three losses in that playoffs, then, you know what, Coach Harmon goes from, you know, uh, the uh, firing watch to coach of the year, possibly. It's, it's that type of situation. UMHB first has to win this game, and I think will, 34-24. to 24. Yeah, I mean, I've I can't remember how many times in the last 15 years I've, I've sort of picked either for or against Harden Simmons. I mean, they they always seem to just come up a little bit short every time in this matchup. And um, I don't know, maybe maybe it's Miguel, maybe it's something. But you know, what the heck? I'm gonna throw my cowboy hat in the ring and say that Harden Simmons at home. You know, they they took it on the chin in Endicott. They learned the hard way. This is a a winner go home time if there this is ever a chance um this is it so cowboys will hang on somehow 21 to 17. washington and lee at randolph macon my god i mean this is another wow. one that may not clinch for randolph macon but this is it i mean they win this game who beats them at that point so what do you think um I think the, with a guy like Drew Campanelli at the helm, you know, the Yellow Jackets are one of the best teams in the country. And as good as the Generals are, I just feel like they're, they're going to come up a little bit short here. Um, Campanelli and the Yellow Jackets will um, win this one, say, 35 to 24. The same reasons, 40-21 to 21, uh, in favor of uh, Randolph-Macon. Wittenberg at Wabash. Tough one because Wabash has not looked uh, pristine at all stages uh, this season. Wittenberg mm. with that tough overtime loss versus DePaul. Uh, it's tough to win at Wabash. I'm going to give Wabash the edge here and uh, to really start setting up the stage for the Monon Bell matchup against DePaul. Uh, they win 28-20. I'm gonna, I, you know, I agree with you there, Frank. But I'm gonna like maybe triple the score. This is gonna be like a 45 to 42. Test the lights on the scoreboard might be one of the crazy games of the weekend. But I'll, I'll take the little Giants too. Ten minute clock ran out, but we'll still go here. Central at Wartburg. Go ahead. Uh, I think the Knights will win. I think they'll they'll clinch the ARC in the process. Um, Central's had a good season, but they're not the central team of years past. Um, Wartburg wins 42 to 17. 
Lane Hawkins is not running through the tunnel. Is that what you're basically trying to tell me uh, at this point? Hankins? Hawk, Haskins? What was the guy's name? No. no, no. <laughs> yeah, not, nice. <laughs> Uh, you know, Warburg needs to play consistent football. It needs to do it in a game like yeah. this to kind of get themselves ready for the playoffs, ultimately. Uh, I think they're going to do it. I think it will be a strong game for them. Uh, that uh, Owen Grover on defense is going to spearhead it well. And then Niall McLaughlin is going to finally kind of get a consistency that he has not had this season, I feel. 34-17, uh, to 17, Warburg wins this game. Platteville at Whitewater. Platteville will take Whitewater, I think, to the edge of the mat and we'll see what happens my prediction is that Whitewater wins at home uh, they, they kind of learned over time that Platteville is not one to take lightly but Platteville mm -hmm. is gonna bring it I have this feeling Whitewater wins 27-24 I like the Warhawks I think they'll win a little more comfortably though 31-17 really Bethel at Carlton. Uh, we saw what happened to Carlton versus St. John's uh, two weeks ago. Then St. John's loses against Gustavus. Okay, what happens with Bethel at Carlton? Uh, go ahead, your turn. Yeah, that's gonna be that's. I'll take I'll, I'll take the Royals on the road. I guess. I mean, Carlton is a has had a great season, but Bethel is just a, maybe a little bit of a step up in in sort of the hierarchy program wise. So. It'll be a close call because this Bethel team isn't as dominant as in prior years, but they'll hang on to win this one, say, 27 to 21. Yeah, I'll give you the same uh, type of score, uh, 30 to 20, basically, in favor of Bethel. Just think uh, that they have too many dogs uh, not to win that game. In the Skyak, um, Chapman, Claremont, Mutscripts, never easy. Never easy out there. Um, mm -mm. I will give Claremont Mutt's scripts uh, some credit, though. Uh, the way that they played Redlands last week was pretty strong, yeah. granted with uh, backup quarterback for Redlands. Um, I will give them the edge here. 21-20. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game, actually. Uh, Chapman is no pushover out there. Yeah, and since we picked that game, I actually, and it was it was on at 4 o'clock, I got to watch a good tr portion of it. And this Claremont Mudscripts offense is pretty dynamic. I know they, they were tripped up by Chapman a few weeks back, but with a second chance around, I will also go with the Stags. I'll say 31 to 17. Well, sir, uh, I know you're going to uh, hop in here, but I will ask you as we uh, get the music uh, turned down a second here to give us the. Uh, you know, apparently, Frank, I, I think it. I realized. I think actually, maybe for the rest of the season, I should just, you know, shoot these episodes from a hotel room because, like, was this not the best Wi-Fi I've had all year? <laughs> yeah, which tells us that it is definitely your home uh, Wi-Fi that's doing it to us. So uh, now we have our answer. Ultimately, I was going to keep it to myself, mm -hmm. but no, since you brought it up, anyway, how are you going to yeah. watch Week Nine, uh, or how should a uh, viewer watch Week Nine if they had limited choices ultimately? Well, you know, I think, you know, we, 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 we've shown you that basically the, from when, when you kind of look at it from a national perspective, the best games are really in sort of in the first half of, of the regions. You've got regions one through three have really the, the biggest marquee games. 
you know, starting off at noon, there's a slate in Region 1 with Stevenson, DelVal, Mass Dartmouth, Bridgewater State, Merchant Marine, Springfield. Even at 1 o'clock, Kings Widener should be good. Um, we got Susquehanna, Moravian. Hopkins, Muhlenberg starts the, the 2 o'clock slate. That's also the same time that you'll have uh, UMHB, Harden, Simmons. Don't forget Washington Lee is uh, at Randolph-Macon at 1, one o'clock. Um, also at 1 is Wittenberg-Wabash. Two also is when Central takes on Wartburg, and you've got some of these uh, Mayak and Wyack games. Later on in the afternoon, if you want to check out uh, Whitworth and Lewis and Clark and Chapman, Claremont, Mud Scripps, that starts at four. You got Rowan and Montclair at five. You got Case Western and at W and J at six. So there's like a steady stream of games, but the real strong concentration in that sort of 12 o'clock kickoff, um, like t basically from that you know 12 to. 2.30 window, and then, you know, obviously the, the Harden-Simmons um, UMHB game will be where probably most national audiences will be focused on, you know, maybe checking in on some of the, uh, the, the, the MIAC and, and the Midwest stuff going on later on. Thank you to Coach Di Donato for joining us from Grove City, Miguel Valdez from Harden-Simmons, and Coach Burleson for helping us out with that, uh, Ryan Briggs for helping us out with Grove City as well. Thanks to all of you for yep. watching. One note, uh, I had to basically uh, figure out a way to salvage the Springfield interviews. We were able to do it after I got a couple hours to work on it yesterday, and we will be getting those up and running. They're still relevant because they talk a lot about the Merchant Marine game coming up here on Saturday. So you'll want to watch those still. Apologize uh, to uh, the participants for not being able to get those up earlier, but we didn't realize they encoded uh, in a way that was impossible to use at first. But we got them. Uh, eventually, we got them. So th there you go. We still have them out to post. So, JB, I know you got to run, uh, but folks, I'll yep. be at Muhlenberg tomorrow uh, tweeting out from there. Uh, then we're going to have, obviously, Twitter uh, conversations going on all weekend long, keeping you updated. Regional rankings next week. We're going to aim possibly get our crunch time show into a live position with regional rankings. I do have a note out to the NCA to see if we can maybe do a release show with them, and we'll let you know how that That'd goes cool. ultimately, too. We'll see. It would be. All right. So we'll see cool. where it goes. Thanks for watching us, folks. And JB, don't speak. Bye, folks.